Hello, everyone. Welcome to our new blueandgoldsports.com podcast. My name is Wesley Shoemaker. I am joined by Quinn Burkett and Aaron Parker. And today we're going to break down uh, West Virginia's loss against Baylor, as well as preview their upcoming game against Texas Tech. West Virginia right now is 13 and 4, 2 and 3 in the Big 12. They just are coming off a 77 to 68 home loss on Tuesday to Baylor. The Mountaineers went back and forth with the Bears, seemed to hang in at times, and then at the end, they just couldn't get it done. So, Aaron, I'm going to go to you. What do you think? Um, good, good good uh, reactions from Baylor and then what 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 did you notice that needs to be fixed the most or what stood out to you the most on the bad end of the loss to Baylor well starting on the good end I'd say for the second straight game uh WV getting a score when Taz Sherman isn't necessarily taking over the game and that's Malik Curry again Malik Curry scoring 19 coming off a uh, big game against Kansas able to get to the hoop and able to make some mid-range shots um, that was the obvious good thing for me. As far as the bad, ob- the obvious is just how many shots the Mountaineers miss around the rim. I mean, you're talking double digits from multiple players just missing layups and stuff like that. But I also think um, we, I also think the Mountaineers needed to get Sean McNeil more looks down the stretch. Um, I don't have a problem with Taz shooting 13 threes per se. But when McNeil is three for five and that's like the game ends and and he's three for five, I think you should, we should be trying to get him more looks there. Quinn. Yeah. um, I'll start with the bad, I guess, first. Um, LJ Cryer and Matthew, Matthew Mayer, Baylor's top two scorers this season. And they really showed up in Morgantown on what was the game? Tuesday night. Uh, I think every time I looked down at the court, Mayer was hitting threes from either the corner or the top of the key. And the West Virginia three-point defense was just not there much at all. Um, and that's going to be a problem as the team gets farther into Big 12 play, too. Um, as these teams are experienced, uh, they can hit the ball from a lot of places on the floor. Um, so, Matt, and even for all other Big 12 teams, Matthew Mayer's just a crazy good basketball player that any team needs to watch out for. My, my question, Quinn, for you, though, is this. If if Mayer is causing all these problems for everyone, and obviously he did get his, he got 20, and he seemed to find his stroke when Baylor needed it the most from beyond the arc, is that so much a West Virginia problem, or is that just Baylor's the top five team in the country and Matthew Mayer's a really good player? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. Um, obviously, Baylor is – like the best team in the Big 12, um, and they have crazy good scores. But I think uh, I think West Virginia's defense, I mean, just not guarding the ball, super, super on point. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I agree you, with you. Kinda, you kind of have to against a Baylor team like that. Yeah, Baylor, I mean, they did. They were without a Kinjo, their uh, leading scorer. And, but you just can't let a team shoot 45% from three. You're not going to win ball games letting teams go 50% from the floor and almost 50% from three, especially when as a team you're only shooting 33% from beyond the arc. But for me, I think the one thing that was bad is a lot of times this season, West Virginia has double teamed 
near the top of the key or on the outside. And that's led to a lot of open looks and a lot in a lack of a lack of movement, I would say, in rotation on defense. Huggins has talked about that. Huggins has said they've gotten better and they have. But you can't leave a team like Baylor or a guy like Cryer. Cryer was open in the first half. I think he hit three threes from that right corner. He just he just used that up. And I think Baylor pregame could scout that when West Virginia doubles, they don't sometimes rotate on the back end. As for me, for the good, I do agree with you, Aaron. I did like the play of Malik Curry. But how about Damon Kerrigan? I think Damon Kerrigan had a really sneaky good game. Nothing really showed up big in the in the stat sheet. But I was watching the game, and I, I kept seeing DeMond. He would, he would be physical on defense. He'd be going after rebounds. And I think that inside presence, which West Virginia has so desperately needed, and they're trying to just say, okay, who wants it? Who, who can go take it and try and be the best five that West Virginia has? I think DeMond, after not playing as much in the last couple of games, really had a good showing against Baylor. Now, as for Texas Tech, Red Raiders 14-4, and 4-2. Four, four and two. Uh, new head coach Mark Adams has them at a the number 18 team in the country, according to the AP poll. And what's uh, doing it for them is their defense. Texas Tech is averaging teams to under 60 points per game. And Texas Tech has beat Kansas. They've beat Baylor. They've they've hung with the best teams in the Big 12 this year. And so, Quinn, I'll go, I'll go to you. What, what stands out to you most about this Texas Tech team? And what do you think West Virginia has to be cautious of on Saturday? Yeah, I think where uh, Mountaineers are going to have the biggest trouble is just in pure size and length. Um, Texas Tech overall is just a lot bigger team. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have a couple guys that are, yeah, two two guys that are 6'8". Uh, and then even their guards are like 6'6". Six, six. Um, but the two 6'8 guys, Bryson Williams, uh, I think right now he's averaging 12.6 points per game. Uh and also Kevin O'Bonner, he's a forward, he's a forward as well. Um, the West Virginia front court has been definitely uh, the weaker part of the off, of the offense and defense this year. Um, but like we were just like you just said, Wesley, uh, guys like Damone Kerrigan, um, Gabe Osaboyan, who is a I think West Virginia's best uh, front court defender, um, and guys like Jalen Bridges, stuff like that. They'll definitely They'll need to step up if West Virginia wants to have a chance what, against what I, some I, six, some six eight guys in the front court. I, I do agree with you. What I will say about Bridges and Osaboyan is that they've got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, Bridges a couple times, I believe it was against uh, Kansas State. He got in, he got his third within the first minute of the second half. You just can't do that. You're going to be fine in the bench rest of the second half that way. And Osaboyan, it was he had one foul, I believe it was near the end of the first half against uh, Baylor, and he picked up kind of a cheap foul, kind of reached across. Um, obviously, Huggins knows he needs Gabe on the floor as much as possible. Gabe gives him an interior presence that he just doesn't have. Otherwise, Gabe can defend anywhere on the floor. He can defend on the three-point line. He can defend the drive, and he takes charges like nobody's business. Aaron, obviously, Mark Adams, uh, new head coach, has this team rolling? Um, what do you think has been the biggest thing? Do you think it's their defense? But what do you, what do you think's been biggest for him to find success this year? I think the biggest thing that I see is is just the buy-in of the players for the program. Uh, you know, before Chris Beard, it was Tubby Smith, and then you go Chris Beard, and the Red Raiders have uh, multiple years of success, and then he up and leaves for Texas. And you see guys like Santos Silva or the portal. I think two or three others, maybe a guard. Uh, maybe McCuller, I don't know. 
Santa Silva and, and multiple others entered the transfer portal. And I'm, you know, I thought they were not going to be as good. Well, Mark Adams stays behind and he was with Chris Beard at Arkansas Little, Little Rock. And it's easy for a guy like that to just go along with Beard and be the number two, number three guy at Texas. But he stays. Uh, these guys that go to the portal come back and their buy-in is great. And now look at them. You know, they're, they're running defense like they're Texas and Chris Beard. Um, they've got a couple guys that are aver averaging 11, 12 a game with Shannon and McCuller. And, you know, they're playing great defense. So, um, you know, I, I can't say I knew anything about Mark Adams before the year, but he's obviously got the program rolling and he's got a good culture set up um, because like last year, their best player, McClung, He's gone, and and yet they're still just as good, if not better, than last year's team. Yeah, for, for me, I know – I think the thing that stands out is their defense. If you look at it, they held Iowa State 40, uh, 51 points, lost by four. They held Kansas 67 points. Number one, Baylor on the road, held them to 62 points. Oklahoma State sub-60. Kansas State 62. Iowa State second time around held them to 60. You're going to win a lot of games if you're holding teams to 60, 65 points, especially in this Big 12, man. And I just think that's the biggest thing here. If they're holding teams sub-70, sub-67, sub-65. They're going to give themselves a chance to win a lot of ball games late. And I think, honestly, that's all you can ask for uh, with the first-year head coach. Uh, moving on, obviously, the Big 12, man. They are. This is a deep league this year, and no game is an easy game. Uh, West Virginia, Texas Tech this weekend. Um, obviously, West Virginia kind of needs a win, two and three in conference play. Texas Tech, they've had success in conference play. Um, Texas Tech coming off a big win. West Virginia coming off a loss that they, they kind of should have won, I think. I think if we all go back and look at it, West Virginia should have beat Baylor. They, they had the opportunities there. It was in front of them. They were, at, they were on their home court. They just didn't, didn't get it done. So who do we think is going to win this weekend and why Aaron Parker, West Virginia, Texas Tech? Um, you know, the Mountaineers need a win after losing two straight, but I, I have Texas Tech winning. Uh, I got them winning by uh, six, I'll say 71-64. I think they'll hold the Mountaineers under 65, like you said. Um, you know, holding teams under 65, you know, in the Big 12, that's probably going to get you a win. I think they do that. Um, you know, I think, I think that, you know, the big man play will probably end up being, end up being the, the deciding factor. I know Quinn mentioned. Um, that they got some some bigs and, you know, they still got Santa Silva down there. And I just think the Mountaineer uh, big play has been really bad as of late. I mean, Kerrigan did some good things against Baylor, some intangibles, but they're not they're not really catching the ball as of late. You know, Polycap dropped three or four passes last game. Um, obviously, they're not making shots around the rim. So I think Texas Tech's bigs will get it done. For, and, for uh, you, for you Aaron. Going back to the to the whole big man conversation, I think a lot of the conversation is centered around Isaiah Cottrell this year. Um, mm, yeah. Cottrell was supposed to be arrived. He was supposed to have arrived, but I think fans are a little too anxious. I think they kind of need, in my opinion, to let him develop. For being honest, he played in I think less than ten games last year, and all were in non conference play, yeah. so didn't hasn't really seen a Big Twelve schedule at all, and. He's really still kind of a freshman, obviously redshirted. But Aaron, do you think if he's able to get going on the outside and not get going like scoring four, four, five, three pointers, but if he's able to get get one, step in a couple to a couple from the mid range, how do you think that can help change this Mountaineer team and help this team going forward? 
it'll help a ton. And number one, it'll spread out defenses, especially like a defense like Texas or Texas Tech. If you got a guy like Cottrell who's standing at darn near seven foot, they don't list him as that, but you know, he's he's almost seven foot. If you got a guy like that making it from the top of the key from the wing or even from like foul line extended, something like that, it will stretch out the defense. And and like you said, I mean, he played in like nine or ten games last year. It's an Achilles injury. I mean, that's one of the biggest injuries in sports. So, you know, Mountaineer fans do need to be patient. It, it took but, Kevin you know, Durant a year and a half to come back from an Achilles injury. Yeah. And fans are expecting Cottrell to injury. come back and produce at a high level like they saw from a Derek Culver. And if we're being honest, he's not the same player Derek Culver was. He just isn't. And West Virginia fans yeah. are going to have to accept that. He's completely different. Yeah. Yeah, he's completely different from Culver. Culver was playing back to the basket, and he was a lefty. But he could also score with the right. Um, Cottrell, I haven't, you know, I don't know. The court vision hasn't been there. But, again, you know, you, you got to get games under your belt. And, um, you know, Hugs is keeping him in, in the starting rotation. So, um, I like to I like to see him um, get more experience with back to the basket because so far um, it doesn't look too good. But, you know, he's seven foot. He's skilled. He can make the jump hook. Um, I've seen him do it before. So, he just needs to get more experience under his belt. And, you know, I'd like to see him just do better um, when he's got the ball, like, near post and, and stuff like that. Quinn, prediction, Texas Tech, West Virginia, who you got? Yeah, I've got Texas Tech uh, probably by about around 10. Um, it's crazy how all these – a bunch of these teams in college basketball, like Baylor, West Virginia just played Baylor, and they lose guys like Jared Butler and Mossy Oteague, and they're still – they're still, like, top in the country – like some of the top teams in the country. Uh, I think that goes to show, like we talked about a little earlier, um, this Beard's uh, coaching and bringing it down to uh, this new head coach that he put, he put it in position to really lead this team. Um, and I think, I just think Texas Tech's offense um, is a lot better than West Virginia's. Uh, they, I mean, they average five more points per game, but that doesn't really say a lot, but the, uh, the bigs will just they're gonna if they're on if they're around the basket, they will uh out outman West Virginia's guys for sure. Uh and then turnovers. Uh West Virginia's gonna have to limit turnovers because uh Texas State grabs like sixteen turnovers per game, I wanna say. It's yeah, sixteen and a half. Um and I mean West Virginia turned it over twelve times against Baylor, but Baylor is usually scoring on all those turnovers. Um, on fast breaks and stuff like that. So I've got a Texas Tech by about 10 points. Yeah, to, to that point, Quinn, um, I, I think you're right. I think the biggest thing for West Virginia is going to be limiting their turnovers. Against Iowa State, uh, Texas Tech forced uh, 16 turnovers and held Iowa State to going five for 26 from three. And if you can do that, that's a formula to win a lot of basketball games, especially in conference play. So that's going to be the biggest thing for me to see on Saturday. I think if West Virginia can get Sean McNeil, get Taz Sherman especially, see how how much he's back from COVID. Hopefully he's getting there. And if they can hit a few threes, kind of extend that Texas Tech defense and then get get some get something going on the inside. It doesn't have to be a big time presence, but just get something, make them aware. I think that will really help the Mountaineers. Now, do I think the Mountaineers will win a game on the road at 11 o'clock in the morning against a strong defensive team? I'm not sure about that. I will go with the Red Raiders. I think the Red Raiders are just really good defensively, and I just think Sherman's not back yet. And I think until Taz is back to what he is capable of doing, and that was averaging 
20, almost 20, 22 points per game. If he's not there, that forces guys like Sean, forces guys like Malik to kind of have to start carrying a load of the offense that I just – I don't think West Virginia is comfortable with Malik Curry taking outside shots. I think he's more of a driver, get in the lane, penetrate, find what's working and find what's open. Game picks for the Big 12. Um, this this league is super, super, super stacked. Um, Kansas right now, top of the league at 4-1. and one. Kansas State, bottom of the league at 2-4. and four. They, they play each other this weekend. Kansas travels to Kansas State, battle for the Sunflower State. Who you guys got? Quinn, go first. Aaron, follow me up. Uh, I've got Kansas. Um, I think that um, they've been challenged this year, uh, and they play in a really hard conference, but uh, Kansas is just such a more dominant team than Kansas State. Aaron? I agree. I've seen a lot of good stuff from Kansas State over the past week, two weeks. And I'm really impressed. Um, you know, Nigel Pack. He's a scorer. He's a bucket, and I I kind of saw that coming where uh, he missed. I think he missed both games against the Mountaineers last year. He's a scorer, and they're good. But I got Kansas. They're just um, while they're frustrating to play. This is one of the best Kansas teams I've ever seen. I mean, Abaji's getting twenty a game, and he's playing good defense too. Christian Brown's getting fifteen a game. McCormick, you know, he got it going against the Mountaineers. So you know, if he plays like a dominant big, they got they got those three guys. They're just – they're incredible. So, you know, as much as I want to pick K-State, I can't do it. So, I'll go Kansas by 12 or 13. I'm going to go with K-State. Um, <laughs> know how silly that sounds after what you just said. But I think Kansas State, they're finally healthy and they've got a point to prove. I think they want to prove that COVID isn't going to beat them. Uh, they started out slow. They had to go through a gauntlet there real quick. Um, and they were playing while well, they were down almost all their guys. Like, obviously, they still had their starters, but you didn't have your head coach. You didn't have your bench. And that that wears on a team. I think Kansas State at home, I think that plays a big factor. Um, Quinn, Aaron, I'll go with you guys again. Oklahoma State, Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma, TCU, and Iowa State. Give me those three winners. Um, right, Oklahoma um, State. Oh. You, go, you go, Aaron. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, Texas. I want to go Oklahoma State. You know, I've, I've liked what I've seen out of them, but um, I'm the Texas defense. I just I see Texas getting in a dogfight, just an absolute dogfight. I think both teams struggle to score a little bit. We've seen that in some games in the Big Twelve. You know, sometimes it's easy to score, sometimes it's hard. I got I got this a low scoring um, Texas win. What about Baylor, Oklahoma, and TCU, Iowa State, Aaron? Baylor, Oklahoma. I'm gonna go Oklahoma. Um, I wa- watching the Oklahoma Kansas game uh, this past week. Oklahoma was right there. There's a couple times it looked like Kansas was gonna run away with it, and Oklahoma got themselves right back in it. And they didn't lose till what the final 20 seconds or something like that. I got Oklahoma in that one. And then what was the other one? Uh, other one, TCU Iowa State at Iowa State. TCU Iowa State. I'm gonna go Iowa State. Um, I want to go TCU. I like what I've seen from them. I thought they would be a bottom feeder, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, they're proving that that they're not a pushover. And uh, but, you know, I'm still going to still going to go with Iowa State. You know, Isaiah Brockington has been great this year. But, you know, I like Tyrese Hunter, uh, freshman. He's getting 10 a game, five assists a game. And um, he's stealing the ball about once or twice every game, too. Reminds me of a of a Tariq Phillip type guy. So I'm going to go Iowa State. Quinn, who, who you got, Oklahoma State, Texas? Give me the, give me your winner there. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the upset uh, Oklahoma State. I think that, uh, like Aaron said, Texas does pretty good def- pretty dang good defense. Uh, but I think Oklahoma State will be able to uh, get around them. Uh, and I think they really want it um, just against a ranked team right now in Baylor, January. Baylor, Oklahoma, and TCU and Iowa State, who you got in those two games? Uh, can't go against Baylor, so I'm going to take Baylor. Um, it's crazy the production they're getting right now. Uh, like May, from Mayor, who I just talked about, and Craig Cryer as well. Um, I think those guys are just going to be hot from the three-point line again. Um, and then TCU-Iowa State. I'll go Iowa State in that one. Um, they've, they haven't played the best in Big 12 this year, um, like you talked about earlier. But the uh, TCU, I don't know. I, I don't think they're much of a matchup for Iowa State. Yeah, I'm, for Oklahoma State and Texas, I'm going to go with Texas. I think Oklahoma State got their big win on the road against Baylor last week. I don't see them going on the road again, especially not that quick. I think Mike Boynton is a phenomenal head coach. Um, I really do like him. I think the way he gets his guys to play on a daily basis, he's getting his guys to buy in in a year where they know they're not going to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Baylor OU. Baylor, uh, give me – actually, I don't know. Give me Baylor. Fakinjo, he's uh, – I believe he's still a game-time decision again for Saturday. If he can't go, look out. The Oklahoma at home might be sneaky. And then TCU, Iowa State. Haven't seen much of TCU. I think Iowa State needs conference wins, and they're going to get one at home on Saturday. So that's all we've got. Uh, if you made it this far, we really do appreciate it. This is the first episode of the blue and gold sports.com podcast. And we thank you for listening.